Listen in as we continue our journey in finding the right people the first time, building on top of the powerful strategies we discussed in part one. Part two will bring you the powerful how-to strategies to make it happen without unnecessary cost, time, and stress. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you, the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 85. Big show today. I hope you're enjoying the format. We're going to trial it for a couple of months and I really appreciate any feedback you can send through. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for joining us. If you've been with us all along the journey, I appreciate it more than you know. And particularly if you've taken the time in the last few weeks to send me your thoughts about the format of the show. It looks like it's going to be a very popular one around that 30 to 40 minute mark once a week. So we'll stick with that. So what that will mean is that where our interviews do progress a little bit longer as we've done with Sue today and last week, we'll probably break them up across two parts and that will enable us to bring strategy and how-to into two segments, which hopefully you've enjoyed so far and you'll get some great how-to implement everything we spoke about last week with Sue. So we've got time for a quick check-in with you this week. We've got a listener question that I want to share with you around paperless prescriptions and what we need to do with all this paper now that we don't need to send it in to the HIC. And also we're going to head back to Sue for part two as we discussed. How's your week been? Has it been a good one? As you can probably tell from my voice, I am back fighting fit. So I've got over the flu or some would might call the man flu and uh, I've been out and about this week. In particular today, if you've checked out our uh, preview video, as I know a lot of you do, uh, this week was the first uh, episode of Pharmacists in Cars Driving to Work. So I'm not sure how many of you have seen uh, Jerry Seinfeld's new Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee but I love the concept. Um, it's fantastic, and I think if it's good enough for comedians, it is good enough for pharmacists. So I'll put a link at the show notes at robertstar.com forward slash episode 85, and I'd love to know what you think. It just outlined exactly what you can expect from today's episode as well. So our listener question this week comes from Judy in New South Wales, and she wrote, Hi, Robert. Thanks you for your podcast. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Well, thank you, Judy. I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it more than you know. I know it's always hard to find that half hour now, I can say successfully, uh, to insert me into your earbuds. And uh, certainly, as a lot of you do, uh, listen to it in the car at lunchtime and so forth. So thank you for that. And she wrote, I'm not sure if you've covered this before, but I have a quick question. Is there an easy solution for storing electronic copies of prescriptions that is approved by the government now that we no longer need to send our scripts in for the claim, but we do have to store them ourselves. Many thanks in advance, Judy. So I wrote back to Judy and I'll share that with you. And um, basically, we haven't covered it on the show before. So from my experience, there really is only one proprietary product available for this. So 
The product is ERX Express Paperless, and I'll put a link in the show notes for you to check it out. It only is relatively new, and it is only currently compatible with Fred systems. So I believe that Minfos may be next in line. So if you are a Minfos customer, it may not be worthy of a phone call. It may be a good idea to let your rep know that you're interested, and you might be able to get an early access to that. But other options, I believe, would be to scan and store your prescriptions in a cloud service. Now, I'm currently researching this myself and I'll keep you up to date, everyone, on the results of my crash tests. There are a number of things you do need to be aware of, particularly when it comes to storing health data and the sovereignty of it and where it is stored. So there are some trusted cloud facilities that I'm looking at right now, but Alternatively, if it's a space issue in the pharmacy and you need to get that paper out of the business, of course, we don't need that useless storage space that we can't actually benefit our customers in any way. You can use a paper-based off-site archiving system, uh, which could include uh, program destruction after two years and a retrieval on demand system if you needed it. And the best one I've come across uh, in our journey has been Recall, and I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check that out out yourself. So hopefully that's answered the question, but as I've mentioned, we'll crash test a number of solutions and I'll bring those to you as we work through them. This week's episode of Transformation is brought to you by Audible. And for you, the listeners of The Transformation Show, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I'm listening to, still, Blue Ocean Strategy by W. Chan Kim and Renee Morgburn at the moment, which was highly recommended by Debbie Rigby in episode 79. And you could download that or another book for free by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, head across to audibletrial.com forward slash transformation, of course, after listening to this show. And again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash transformation for your free audiobook. We'll now head back to Sue for part two of our interview where we pick up where we left off last week, where I asked Sue, where is the best place to place our recruitment ads when there's so many options that come up on Google? Well, hopefully when you did your Google search, the pharmaceutical locum company was top of the list. Absolutely was. So needless to say, that would be the the first place that you'd go. I mean, once you uh, have a a good idea of exactly the sort of person you want, um, it's really just a matter of of one phone call um, to to list the job with us. If you know, we we did some research before we um, redesigned our website, and we rang quite a few pharmacists, and we said, you know, do you find the form that we have for the pharmacy owners um, to be easy to use? Um, does it ask enough questions about the type of business and so on and so forth? And you know what the answer was? Don't worry about that form. We're so time poor. All we want to do is just ring you up and tell you what we want. Um, so you know, it saves you the time of thinking of your own, composing your own ad, uh, placing it on whether it be 
Seek or any of the other free websites that exist or even posting it on a, a Facebook page that's a pharmacy-related Facebook page. Um, you need to, um, if you put it on those sites, you have to constantly be checking and seeing if somebody's got back to you and then looking at who they are and, uh, I mean, we just streamline that whole process. I mean, you just make the one phone call to us. We go through all the resumes. We reference check all the candidates, look at what they've done in their past, see if they're suited. And then basically you would get a short list of suitable candidates that fit your criteria. And it's just a matter then of the pharmacist um, maybe having a phone interview, a Skype interview or a face-to-face -face interview and making the final decision. I mean, if you're time poor, then that certainly enhances the whole process. And I imagine with with all of those you know potential job sites, uh, when you post uh, those ads, are you going to multiple sites when you're doing that? And you know, are, are there special things that you know you do on one site that you perhaps wouldn't do on another? Well, um, I'm not really sure if they lead to other sites. I think sometimes when you place an ad on a particular site. I know that there are some companies that take your ad and to encourage you to advertise with them in the future, they post your ad for free on their site. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if that happens with a lot. So it's difficult to say. Because mm -hmm. I guess there's just so many different places that, you know, potentially you could syndicate one job ad through, you know, through a multitude of places, whether it be internal websites for particular pharmacy groups and stores, um, locum pharmacy Facebook groups, that, like you mentioned, um, LinkedIn, yeah. LinkedIn as well. Um, and, you know, then also potentially you, you, you're then dealing with, you know, that big 800-pound gorilla called Seek, which is a, a very complicated one to, to negotiate and to, you know, set all of the parameters correctly to maximise the success there. So, you know, in, in, for people who want to do, do it on their own or at least ha have a go with it, is there... I guess even a couple of things that you know may give may give our colleagues a heads up in terms of being able to I guess get a bit more effective result. Well, um, I mean, really, it's just the um, specific nature of the ad will probably get you a better result, but. There's also um, an issue in that some of the ads just stay on these sites for a long time. And from a candidate's point of view, it can be quite frustrating as well because they don't get taken down. So people are, you know, lulled into thinking that there's still a job somewhere. And then when they apply for it, it actually doesn't exist anymore which can sometimes happen also in um, the Pharmacy Guild Bulletin where they just list pharmacies needing somebody. But then when candidates actually ring, uh, they'll tell you, oh, that, that job that was filled like six months ago. 
Yeah, look, it can be so confusing, I guess, when people are searching all of those databases. And I guess the, the, the database currency is its most valuable asset in as much that if it's not up to date, it's it looks very stale and has things that haven't been changed. Probably people won't be searching there too much. But I guess, I guess to um, establish, you know, for um, our colleagues in terms of getting, I guess, the right type of person, you know, how much effort would you recommend that they put into... I guess building that um, employer brand or the visible public culture of a brand. You know, I think Tristan White from the Physio Co. from episode seventy-seven or seventy-eight, sorry, um, was uh, one of the best examples I've seen where the majority of the Physio Co.'s marketing is concentrating on building that brand so that people get you know magnetised to that culture and that, that it more or less acts as a great filter uh, for people who just wouldn't want to be associated with them for the way that they love oldies. Um, so what, how much time would you would you recommend that colleagues spend in, I guess, creating that presence, whether it be social media through their website or any marketing that they do? I think it's extremely important. Um, candidates will often ask us, because we're, we're non-specific generally um, as to which pharmacy or even which town a particular pharmacy job is is listed for they'll often ask us is this a particular banner group or who has um, that particular pharmacy an example of of a draw card and an instance when we do specifically name the pharmacy group would be um, when we're recruiting pharmacy assistants or beauty advisors cosmeticians or the like for um, certain Priceline pharmacies, I've noticed that when we put the Priceline pharmacy logo and advertise that it is specifically in one of their stores, the response rate would be at least double to advertising any other um, general pharmacy uh, assistant employment with a non-banner group or one that we don't specifically advertise. That image of of Priceline is a huge draw card for pharmacy assistants. Mm. And I guess that, you know, I guess begs the question in terms of, you know, what is better to promote for pharmacies? Is it the brand of the pharmacy or is it the owner as a personal brand? Um, you know, have you seen examples where, um, I guess, potential um, employees have been drawn to a particular owner because they've been well known for something or has it been more towards, I guess, what that pharmacy stands for? Um, I think it's probably a combination of both. I mean, I've certainly seen the opposite where a pharmacy owner doesn't stand for a, for very much at all and people don't want to work for them and they'll say, you know, I've heard about this particular person and, you know, some of my colleagues has worked for them and I don't want to go there. 
Yeah, look, I guess it's a double-edged sword there as well. It could it could aid you or harm you, depending on uh, exactly uh, on on, what, on what's going on. But I guess there's a lot of noise when it comes to candidates as well, and no doubt you'd see that when you've got to weed through all of the uh, candidates, uh, you know, and that sometimes you know has the ability to you know bring up the the odd example that we see sometimes where non-pharmacists will apply for pharmacist jobs believing that they uh, just simply can uh, pick it up as as they go but uh, oh yeah I'll tell you what happened once we had a role in on the central coast for a, a pharmacist and um, it was some years ago and I I think I may have tried advertising the role on seek and it was a Saturday morning and I got a call from this guy and uh, he said oh I'm ringing to apply for the job on the central coast and I said oh that's very good Um, you know what's your name and and uh, are you free for the um, hours available yep no problem and I said "Uh, could I please trouble you for your registration and he said "Uh, you mean me car rego and I said, no, no, your pharmacy registration. And he said, oh, I'm not a pharmacist. And I said, but this job is for a pharmacist. And he said, oh, it couldn't be too difficult. I'm sure I can do it. <laughs> so that, you need to be careful with who applies for these jobs. Yeah, look, you do have the odd uh, the odd people who have probably listened to too much of Jerry Seinfeld in the past and uh, <laughs> just think that we're these glorified white coat people that sit two and a half feet up taking pills from a big bottle, putting into a little bottle and, yeah, not really understanding that process. But I guess it's the, the reason why we need to be screening um, and getting, you know, making sure that we don't have those people taking up any of the time in the overall recruiting process. But I guess, you know, aside from the, the obvious, um, what have you seen any examples where, you know, things like personality or aptitude testing has been able to, you know, I guess when we look at building our dynamic pharmacy team, there are sometimes personalities that are going to best suit us as opposed to, um, you know, those that potentially could harm us? Yeah, well, um, I think uh, a problem arises often because when you uh, pharmacists look at resumes and so on, obviously they're looking for certain skills and aptitude of the pharmacist, but it's really only in the interview process that you you see the true personality of the pharmacist to to see if they fit in with your team. And uh, if the particular pharmacist doesn't have the skills but has uh, an ideal personality for your business, then the skills can always be taught. But if someone comes with the skills and they don't have the, the personality type that fits in, then you know, the chances of it working out are minimal. And there are uh, lots of ways of testing these personalities these days. There are several psychometric tests which are easily done. There was one particular one that we did um, at the PBN and got everybody to fill it in. And, 
you know, if you you do this and you find that your pharmacy team has a, a strong leaning towards everybody wanting to be a chief and nobody wanting to be an Indian, then you're going to be in trouble because you're going to need some Indians and you haven't got any. Yeah, well, certainly it could uh, lead to a very interactive team meeting if you've got too many uh, chiefs, but, you know, perhaps won't have too much getting done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and I guess on on the whole of that, you know, there's so many elements that you've spoken about that comes into play when you're considering, you know, the right person for the right role for the right right pharmacy. But uh, I suppose we we try to try to, you know, condense the time frame that, uh, you know, we we do this over uh, just to try to simply, you know, understand that perhaps we've got someone who's leaving the business. We want to replace them as quickly as possible to minimize disruption. But, you know, now, how much time would you be recommending that we actually look for this, you know, this process? I know there's no prescriptive ideal length of the process, but, you know, ideally it's not just, you know, the, the interview and the placement of the ad, but like you mentioned earlier, the induction process as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you need to set aside a, a reasonable amount of time because, you know, it can't be rushed, um, you know, Basically, you can identify a a few suitable um, people for the role and you don't want to leave it for too long from the time that they actually applied for your job and when you get around to interviewing them because I've seen very many cases of people who've who've asked us to source, um, you know, a full-time pharmacist for them And then they just get caught up with the day-to-day pharmacy jobs that they have to do. And by the time they get around to being organised enough to set up an interview, that candidate has applied for four other jobs and taken the one that somebody was ready to go and, and interview them the next day. So... You know, um, a good lead time is good, but not to the extent of losing that person's interest in your position. Mm. And I guess it's just, you know, trying to, you know, obviously stay committed to that process, but also find ways of, of making it easy. I, I noticed that with uh, your Locum Co website that you've got things like uh, live chat, uh, which we you know shared with me earlier that you can now do with video as well. And uh, you can even, you know, lodge a, a, a I guess, a request with you um, via your Facebook site as well. Um, and also for, for probably was quite the most innovative mobile application so is it getting to the point now where you're seeing I guess a trend moving to I guess that hiring on demand and wanting uh, you know very quick results but at the same time as we as we've spoken extensively about the process you know needing to have certain building blocks in place before you literally hit that button yeah well I, I was surprised when I first found out about that um, that online chat that was available, I um, I thought, oh, I'll just, uh, it sounds like a good idea and I'll just trial it for one month. So you get a certain number of clicks that are possible um, in the one month and after one week, I'd already exhausted my quota for the month because people 
like to get answers to their questions immediately. I mean, it's one thing to write, compose an email and send it and wait for a response. And I mean, all our responses are certainly within 24 hours if we get emailed and if um, everybody gets an answer, if they apply for a job, whether they're successful or not, there's always an answer from us. But for people to just jump on that chat and say, is job one, two, three, four still available? And for you to be say yes, or for them to say, where is this job? Um, I can do some of it, I can't do the other. Would this be suitable? Are they paying travel? Where would I stay? They just get an answer straight away. And it just speeds up the whole process to such a degree that it, it's really worthwhile. And and I imagine, you know, in terms of getting, you know, quick answers, you know, certainly a great idea there. But, you know, when pharmacies are coming to you for, for assistance, you know, as you've shared with us in really trying to help them find the right person, um, is there any pre-work that they have to do before they can become, I guess, a client of yours in terms of those underlying things that we've spoken about in defining, you know, what they stand for, their culture, their purpose, all of those types? of elements? Yeah, well, it would certainly help if they had a, a, a grasp of, of what their business would, would have to offer a potential candidate. And they just need to sit down and, and think about the role and what they really need and the sort of person that would suit their business best. I mean, once they've given that a short amount of um, you know thought, then it's just a matter of making the call and we'll do the rest for them. Well, I guess, you know, the biggest uh, incentive there is to, you know, minimise uh, recruitment failure, um, which, you know, quite often we only realise uh, when we've hired a person uh, who perhaps has just snuck under the radar during their probationary period or perhaps in some cases bluffed their way through, um, you know, and, and how we actually go about minimising that from occurring. So, you know, what, what would your advice be to, I guess, minimise those failures, um, you know, down the track, which obviously quite expensive as well well I mean um, I guess the whole interview process one would hope um, would sift out people that are um, not totally suitable and it would be a matter of asking the right sort of questions at that interview as well um, you know letting the candidate have their say um, you know, asking open-ended questions, all those sorts of things that um, gives them really the opportunity to to speak and give you a better understanding of what they're like. And just really during that probation period to, to be there and communicate with them and really um, be present to see exactly what's going on because really I think you should have a very good understanding of whether that person is going to work out within certainly within the first month I mean personally I think you'd know in the first week Um, and to let them go for three months um, is is just too long 
probably means that you haven't really been there enough and working with them and offering them advice and, you know, telling them how you want things done. Um, so that should certainly uh, come out earlier than the trial period. Yeah, and, and as Roger Simpson shared with us a few weeks ago, it's really then about, you know, connecting you connecting those new people into the high performance environment that you've created for the team and uh, obviously reviewing them more frequently than just the standard annual uh, performance review and, uh, you know, really providing, you know, a, a good level of expectation, but enough freedom to, uh, you know, innovate and uh, grow the business in, in, in their own unique ways. So, you know, there's so much to it but you know obviously we want to try to maximize our success in these incidents because you know it is such a time invested uh, situation and I guess so as we as we think about you know what we'd love to have and I'm sure you know many of us would be thinking in pharmacy recruiting terms that you know we'd love to just wave a magic wand one day and the perfect person shows up and uh, you know you don't have to worry about all of the all of the little bits and pieces that get in the way whether it be new legislation interviews you know where you post the jobs but you know what would you love to see is I guess the the biggest game changer if uh, you could have your way in having all the time and resources that you'd love uh, what would you love to see in pharmacies today well I'd love to see every pharmacist with the locum co app on their phone for a start That would help. Then they'd just have to uh, jump on at any time and send me a message and I'd contact them and they'd list, list their job with me. I think that would be a game changer, but maybe a little bit selfish. <laughs> But I guess in ter- in terms of you know things that make it easy for you, obviously we've, we've mentioned a number of things in you know for pharmacies to you know really define you know not only their personal purpose but their their culture and what niche they may be in, which uh, really makes it very easy to determine the types of roles and people that may be best attracted to that that environment. But um, you know what what could pharmacies be doing to make your job easier to to make Make it easy for them to get the right person in the guess the quickest space of time. Well, they need to have a complete understanding of the team that they currently have in the pharmacy, and to see where there could be gaps that need to be filled. Um, if they happen to have a a pharmacist that is not particularly keen to communicate and and handle all the professional services, then they need to identify that area and to recruit somebody that that slots in and fills that gap. So a a good understanding of their own situation would really be helpful. Uh, excellent. Now, you've shared so, so much wisdom with us today, Sue, and I know that, uh, you know, it is a process that we quite often don't uh, step back from and uh, really look at the elements and uh, give it the respect it deserves. And certainly, as you shared with us today, there's many things that we can do in the process to perhaps slow it down and uh, make sure that we get the right person and invest our, our ability and our understanding of our business in there to maximise our success. So I uh, thank you for joining us today and uh, we look forward to following yours and the Locum Co's journey and inviting you back in the not too distant future. Thanks Robert. Thanks so. Bye.
Well, I'm sure you'll agree that in our quest of getting the right people for our businesses the first time, it is not simply just as simple as placing an ad and bringing in the first person that meets that skill set. There are so many more layers to a good hire of the right employee for your business, as Sue shared so many great strategies over this two-part series. And my three key learnings, thanks to audible.com, where you can download your free audio book by visiting audibletrial.com forward slash transformation. And my first key learning is, there is no such thing as shortcuts when it comes to growth our greatest asset in our business, which is, of course, our people. Sure, you may be able to save time, money, and believe that you are going to be less frustrated by hiring the first person that meets a skill-based criteria, but it simply is going to bring you more frustration, more time, and more money, as Sue shared with us, if we don't get it right the first time. And the old adage that I've followed a long time is hire slow, fire fast. And if we have the opportunity to take our time with hiring, and often sometimes it is out of necessity that we need to replace one of our key team members, it's important that we replace them with the right person the first time if we can. And Sue's given us some great strategies for that. And the second is you must be clear on your purpose and your culture to maximize your success with your people, let alone working with a seasoned recruiter like Sue and the Locum Co to help you find the right person. It makes her job a lot easier when it's easy if you can define what your culture and what the purpose of your business and are you very customer facing and therefore you may need a specific personality as opposed to just a skill set. And it's important to recognize as Sue mentioned and that may be from personality or psychometric testing which we are going to cover in a lot more depth in coming episodes that you understand the dynamic of your team so you don't put them out of whack by getting the wrong person with the wrong attitude. As we often refer to, as Roger did in episode 80, hire for attitude and train for skill. And number three is recruitment and tender loving care of your new hire in your business does not end on day one. You need a stringent induction program. There's going to be some great guests coming up in the next few weeks who are going to walk you through their induction program of how they ensure that that transition is made easy. As Sue shared with us, it's important we recognize very quickly whether our new people in our business are a good fit and you shouldn't need the full three months to be able to determine that. So as we established last week, people are our greatest asset. And as one of our listeners this week referred to me, they should be on our balance sheets and they absolutely should be. They would be the most valuable asset because they can create success in our business, but they can also determine our failure. So we need to look after it and put more work into our strategy. And that brings us to our transformation motivational quote of the week, which comes from the 19th century industrialist, Andrew Carnegie. And the quote is, teamwork is the ability to work together toward a common vision, the ability to direct individual accomplishments towards organizational objectives. It is the fuel that allows common people to attain uncommon results. 
Love that one. I think when we're building our teams and we're looking to bring new people into their business, as we've been talking about today, it's so important that we focus on what we're trying to achieve and how our whole team can get us there. We need to have our visions ourselves, but we need to inspire others to take us there and it'll only ever happen that way. Next week, we'll be joined by the Director of Pharmacy Profit Secrets, Linda Miller, who's going to share with us how we can manage our team around change and more specifically around technology and change. It's important that if we're going to set the direction and set the tone for our businesses, that we manage each of our existing staff members along that journey, manage their expectations and ensure we can maximize our success in the process as well. If you've loved this week's episode, leave a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to every single one of them and our guests like Sue today are only too happy to respond to your questions individually as well. Have a great week, everyone, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now.